You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going on, everybody? Curtis Wilkerson with Hogsports.com coming to you today with another episode of Hog Hoops Live. The Razorbacks are 9-1. and one. They've had a long week of practice. They're going to look to bounce back from a tough loss to Oklahoma, which is two more games separating them from the start of SEC play. We're going to dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly with this team so far and get you primed up for this weekend's game in North Little Rock. All that and more coming your way on Hawk Hoops Live. All right, real quick, I want to remind you of all the ways to watch or listen. Obviously, you can join us on Facebook Live. Be sure to give us a follow there. Uh, Also available on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube page. Hit that notification bell. Uh, Remember, Hog Hoops Live does have its own YouTube page where we upload all the videos as well as the live reactions, things like that, following the games. Um, Also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, wherever you like to get your podcasts, you can find us there, uh, right where you find Hog Sports Live with Trey every week. Okay. If you do have questions or comments, try to throw them in the chat a little early today. It might be a little bit shorter of a show uh, than normal, just, you know, we didn't have a midweek game. Uh, We do have a presser with Muss a little bit later this afternoon, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if it's short or not. We'll see how much I ramble. You know, if for some reason you feel like you need to relive that game in Tulsa last weekend, uh, again, you can always jump on the YouTube or the podcast page and and check out the live reaction I did from the BOK Center. Uh, Hey, you know, while I think all of us, probably including the Hogs, want to move on from that Oklahoma game pretty quickly, you know, we've we've had to wait a full week between games. And the team's had a long week of practice. And and not only that, uh, they've been taking final exams, so... That's a rough week. Coming off a loss, you got a full week of practice. You don't usually get that during the season. You're taking final exams. Man. Look, we know Eric Musselman doesn't like to lose. He also doesn't like a lot of time between games in season. He's he's an NBA guy. He's used to the back-to-backs, three to four games per week. So it's kind of a, a bad combination for him, too. Yeah, I do think this Arkansas team's kind of in a weird spot. You know, Muss right now, I I think he's trying to play a little bit of a balancing act, right, between making maybe some, some necessary tweaks and corrections, uh, you know, things that we've all seen without, you know, coming across as being overreactive. You know, I, I think that's tough, right? On one hand, uh, while that Oklahoma game, it was it was an ugly one in many ways. We all watched it. It was just one game, the first loss of the season. So you take that into account. On the other hand, um, you know, I, I think what's somewhat concerning about it is that, you know, this was a game that magnified a lot of the issues that, that folks were seeing as this team got off to a 9-0 and start. You know, the weaknesses, uh, maybe the chinks in the armor that they were getting away with, that they were exposed, right, against a little bit better of a team. Was that a blip on the radar? Uh, does it does it confirm some of the troubling trends? We're just going to have to wait to find out. I think, you know, the, the question, so, you know, what do they do? I, I think it, that's kind of what everybody's been asking 
throughout the course of this week, you know, where do they go from here? There's been all kinds of hot takes naturally, right, on, on overhauling the lineup, benching guys, injecting new blood into the rotation, all that. Some I agree with, some I don't. Again, it's kind of a balancing act. Um, you don't want to make a bunch of wholesale changes and, you know, do anything where you kind of lose the locker room, and I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I, I do think with some of these things, it's kind of reached the point where uh, some tweaks are necessary, and, and I, I do think that we're going to see some changes. Um, you know, I would love to see some other guys get more of a look. Uh, I also understand that, you know, you can't and won't play 11 guys a night, especially as you get into league play. The, the thing about it is, though, I guess, is time's kind of running out, uh, you know, to have those opportunities before you get into those conference games, which are going to be huge. Honestly, it kind of stinks, you know, that we're 10 games in at this point. We don't have more of a clear idea um, of what this team has in a K.K. Robinson, a Jackson Robinson, a Trey Wade, a Kamani Johnson. I get it to a degree, though. It's like it, I said this on the message boards earlier. It's kind of a double-edged sword, really. You know, on, on one side of the blade, Muss hasn't really been able to get these guys as much run as he probably wanted to because they haven't been able to put away some of the teams on the schedule uh, to have that luxury. They were able to do that a little bit more, I think, last year. But then, you know, in saying that, the other side of the sword there, the other side of the blade, is that they haven't been able to put these teams away, which kind of makes the calls even louder to give some of those other guys a look, right? So it's it's weird. And, you know, the other part of that is, you know, these guys on the outside of the rotation looking in so far haven't really taken advantage of the opportunities they have received and just fully grasped them. You know, KK earned a start at the beginning of the year. Uh, Jax had a couple games in there where he was playing 15-plus minutes per game. Uh, Trey Wade and Kamani Johnson, they had that string of games where they were coming in together uh, for, a, for a decent rotation in the first half. But those haven't evolved into more consistent roles yet. And, you know, listen, roles can change in January and February. We saw that last year with the emergence of guys like Devo, Jalen Williams, we saw Desi, uh, who was a, a starter and a key contributor, kind of resorted to more of a bench role. So those things change. But I do think it's important to have a more clear picture of what you're working with before you get into league play. And so I, I do. I, I think we're going to see some tweaks to the rotation. The, the question is how far does Musk go with them? How much does he do? Uh, you know, Does he make changes to the starting lineup? Does he adjust minutes for some guys to open opportunities for others? I think that's the most fascinating part. Uh, this game Saturday and then Tuesday against Elon because after that it's Christmas break and, and then you're off to Mississippi State to start SEC play. It, it's interesting. You know, one thing I've been hearing a, a lot about, um, some buzz, some behind-the-scenes stuff, is that, you know, we, we could be in line to get a heavier dose of K.K. Robinson. That'll make a lot of people happy, right? I think it makes sense. You know, th this is a team where Musk said after the Oklahoma game, they are still searching for better or more consistent point guard play. You know, in that game, we saw the ball movement take a dip. We know that three-point shooting has been a struggle. Hey, listen, if he's playing up to his potential, KK can help in all those areas. So, uh, you know, I do hope to see that come to fruition this weekend. I think that'd be great. You know, Note, J.D. Note, he had a rough one against Oklahoma, you know, 3 of 14 from the field. Uh you know, there's been a lot of chatter of, of maybe moving him back 
to the six-man role. And, and hey, Muss, he very well may do that. We know he can thrive in that role. He's the SEC six-man of the year. He was, he was great. I, I'm, I'm torn on it because I get it. I, I understand where people are coming from, where that thought process, and again, may very well happen. If not, if not Saturday, maybe moving forward. To me, I mean, I don't know. Is moving the second leading scorer in the SEC to the bench going to solve your problems with slow starts? It, it might help with some other things. It might help get him going more efficiently and consistency. But the Hogs have struggled out of the gate, so I, I don't know if that's the answer or not. But that's why Muskets paid the big bucks. I'm just here to speculate, right? You know, say what you want about JD. I think he's he's probably your best player overall. Full body of work, you know, not just the one game sample size. He's been one of the best on ball defenders on the team and, and in the league, high up there in steals. I think he's still top ten in steals in the country. Um, that's pretty impressive. He's giving you nearly five rebounds per game. People talk about his distributing. Hey, listen, he's averaging three point four assists per game. That's a career high for him. Could he do more? Sure. Questionable shot selection with J.D. Note to me, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's watched any Arkansas basketball the last two years. I mean, you know that. You know that. With all that being said, though, I, I think we're kind of approaching an impasse with him in terms of his three-point shot. It's tough. You know, Notay's he's a career 34% shooter from three. That's pretty good for a high-volume guy like him. He's 27% this season. The threes keep flying, but they, they're not falling at a higher rate. So, um, you know, maybe he does need to be reined in a little bit, held, held more accountable for shot selection. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? You want him back in that six-man role? Keep him, keep him as a starter? Who would you start in his place? Probably not Chris Likes. He, he's had his own set of struggles recently um, on both ends of the floor. We talked about KK, give him another shot. He got to start at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I don't know, throw him in there and see what he can do with it. I, like I said, I, I do think we're going to see more of him. So maybe that's it. We'll see. Either way, I, I think me personally, I I wouldn't mind seeing JD's minutes uh, at least come down some. From, I mean, he's playing nearly 40 a game. Uh, see those come down some. Maybe Likes gets his minutes cut a little bit and, until he kind of gets himself going. Uh, maybe he needs that, you know, little wake up call, a little challenge, but you can do things like that and, you know, take some from here and take some from there. And that can open up opportunities to fit somebody else into the lineup or the rotation. We talk about KK, Jackson Robinson, those guys, uh, maybe that gives them more of an opportunity to get established, see if they can handle it, take it from there. going to be really interesting to see on Saturday. I, I think, like I said earlier, I think that's the most fascinating part of this. You know, we do know that this team, I mean, they've, they've got some glaring issues that they need to improve on. Um, the biggest one offensively is certainly three-point shooting. 28.6% on the year, that's, that's below 300 in the country out of, I think, 357 teams. Not great. And, and listen, you know, do these guys shoot better than that at practice? Yes. Do you, do you feel like they can shoot themselves out of a slump to a degree? Yes. Uh, I mean, could shot selection be better? Yeah, of course. But you know, All those things are true, but I mean, we now have a pretty substantial body of work, 
and it just hasn't been good. So how do you fix it? Again, it, that continues to be the question because uh, you have to be able to knock these down semi-consistently in league play. They don't have to. They don't have to burn it up, but you have to be a threat out there. You don't want teams to shrink the floor on you. We've talked about that before. But go look around the SEC, and a lot of these teams can stroke it, and you don't want to find yourself in a position where you're playing well, but you're trading twos for threes. And especially if, if you're struggling with three-point defense, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's important to be able to knock down some shots. Uh, I think you know Musk can probably take some control of that by dialing up more sets and actions to, to get guys the shots that he wants them to take where he wants them taken. Right, If you want a catch-and-shoot three for likes in the corner or whatever, uh, run a play and execute that. He can dictate that action to a degree. So maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. Um, you know, Like I said, you can, you can start holding a guy like J.D. Note accountable a little bit for the bad ones he takes. And you know, with him, you've got to be careful. Same thing with likes, I, I think, because uh, part of what makes them special – as players is their freedom, the ability to hit those high difficulty shots, that, and, and that puts pressure on the defense. So uh, with that being said, though, those guys are seniors. They know the difference between good shot and bad shot. So, um, you know, Muss has mentioned less off the dribble, pull-ups. Those are, those are tough. Uh, more of those catch-and-shoot looks. That'd be great. And then, of course, you know, the other option would be more opportunities for players on, on your bench who might not be in your rotation um, who you feel like can help you there. And that means they've got to bring it in practice and and do all the other little things that, you know, contribute to the team on the floor, defense, uh, moving the ball, understanding the, you know, the schemes and things like that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think in terms of pure uh, shooters that you think can connect for you at a, at a fairly high clip, you're talking about, the Robinsons, right? I mean, KK and Jax. So um, can you find ways to, to get those guys opportunities and looks? And then can they cash in and convert? I mentioned, you know, Jackson a minute ago. He had a couple runs there where he was playing 15-plus minutes per game. Shot sure looks good, but it wasn't falling. He's 25% on the year. Um, I think he can shoot better than that with more opportunities, but you got to get him. And, again, it's that fine line. Of, of what you do is you try to figure out this rotation. It's it's a puzzle. It's a, it's a chess match. It's not checkers. So uh, it's going to take a little while for them to figure it out, and they will. I have no doubt that they will. Ball movement, sharing the basketball, it's been another area that, that's been mentioned a lot. Um, you know, I'm probably less concerned about that than some, personally. Uh, listen, it was it was kind of rough against Oklahoma, but before that, Arkansas had four games in a row where they had more than 200 passes and they shot over 50% from the field. I think those two things are connected. And they've got three guys in the top 20 in the SEC and assists. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff will get better, I think, as the season progresses and, and guys settle in a little bit more. Biggest question there is probably at point guard. I mean, is Devo your guy? at point guard or is he better off the ball I mean he sure took I think some major strides in that direction during the homestand he kind of reverted back into into scorer mode and, and less of a distributor over the weekend uh, is that a sign of things to come against better competition I don't know but it, it is part of the process 
you know, when, when Devo goes into scorer mode and I, I don't, I'm not saying I don't want Devo to shoot the ball. I mean, Hey, the guy can score it, but I just mean in terms of being that, you know, that like his primary option in his mind, uh, if you got him doing that and you've got JD doing it and you've got Chris doing it on the floor at the same time, you kind of have a problem, right? Guys like Audis Tony almost become useless because unless they're grabbing offensive rebounds, because they get the ball and they get facilitated into the offense from the guys in the backcourt. Right. So, you know, he's still working on trying to find that balance between scoring and distributing that <clears throat> again, I keep going back to the, you know, the only other option I, I see is kind of a facilitator who can, who can score and defend and do all those things is, is KK if he's right. So if, you know, if he does get increased opportunity, like, you know, like we've been hearing, I really hope he takes advantage of it. I think that would be huge for the team. You know, who's that Jalen Tate going to be on this team? What an underrated pickup he was for Arkansas. I mean, you know, who's the guy going to be that kind of recognizes when things are going south? He goes, he gets the ball, he gets everyone in their spots and kind of steers things back in the right direction. And I think that's they're still trying to figure out exactly who that is, and, and, and they'll get there. But until they do, again, maybe it's a, it's a situation where Musk, I'm sure he recognizes that. And he can, you know, he'll maybe he's going to start calling some more plays, some sets, and and force the issue a little bit in terms of ball movement and getting the looks that he wants for the guys. I do think in the long term this is going to be a better make a play team than a run a play team. But maybe he's got to micromanage it a little bit until things start to fall into place. So that's another thing I'm going to be looking for this weekend. Is is it going to be more open freedom? Because Arkansas does kind of thrive in chaos sometimes in, in transition when they get in those half court sets is he going to rely on the motion and, and getting those looks organically or are we going to see him start dial up some more plays this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I, I trust him either way, but I'd be all for some more plays, you know. Uh, Tony, he shouldn't be limited to just five shots over the course of two games. You remember the sets that Arkansas ran last year, like right after the tip, every game, they'd run a set and get Justin Smith a, a decent post-up look? Sign me up for that with all these Tony. I really love what Arkansas has done with, with getting Jalen Williams the ball uh, in the mid post, the high post, and letting him facilitate, uh, need him to start firing, firing that three ball a little bit more with confidence, especially if guys are going to back off of him. But, you know, they recognize the things that work for the team, 
and and then the matchups that are favorable. So just another thing to keep an eye on. You know, on the defensive end, yeah, I mean, it, certainly some things to work on. Believe it or not, I'm less concerned about the defense than I am some of the things offensively long term. I mean, three point defense has been rough. Uh, we can't argue that. I mean, at least I don't know off the top of my head, at least three times. Um, you know, opponents have hit over 13 three-pointers on Arkansas. They're shooting 37% from beyond the arc. That's a ridiculously high number. Um, you know, Arkansas is closing in on giving up almost twice as many threes as they've made. So that that's a problem. Why is it happening? You know, some of it, I think guys still have some uncertainty and, and a lack of comfort in the scheme. And if you think about that, you know, second-guessing or hesitating by just a half second, that's a difference in someone getting an in-rhythm three-pointer on a driving kick and someone being contested not being able to get it off so I think that'll get better at some point it's on the guys to kind of figure it out though I mean again we are 10 games in part of it's been containing dribble penetration you know Arkansas they're aggressive they're a high steals team they put a lot of pressure on the ball and in the passing lanes so when a ball handler attacks that and, and gets away with straight line drives well what happens guys are over helping or they're helping late and those kickouts become hard to get out and contest because you're scrambling. And, you know, like I said, I think this will improve. You know, Arkansas struggled with that last year, the dribble drive containing penetration early. But they settled in. They figured it out. They wound up being really good to that regard come tournament time. This team's athletic enough and quick enough and veteran enough. I think, I think that's something that they're going to get better at. I really do. Maybe I'm crazy. Bookmark this. We'll come back and check on it in a couple months. You know, another thing Muss has mentioned is, is how starting two centers, and they've been starting Jalen and Connor, has maybe impacted that a little bit with, with the three-point defense early in games. You know, those, those guys aren't the, the fleetest of foot. Makes you wonder if it's contributed a little bit to some of the slow starts. I don't know. Me, me personally, I'd, I'd probably – move Connor to more of a true backup role behind Jay Will. And that's not me bashing Connor at all and saying he should never play. I, I think he should. I mean, he's playing 8 to 12 minutes per game anyways, so why not start the game, you know, with the matchups and the plan of attack that you're probably going to have for a majority of the time anyway? I don't know. Just thought. And the whole thing about it, though, is, you know, that with all these brilliant ideas and brainstorming and tweaks to the plan and rotation and everything like that is is this game on Saturday it's a very tricky time to try a bunch of new things so it, it, it's going to challenge them you know folks might scoff a little bit Hofstra okay but listen these guys are very very dangerous they're, they're led by Speedy Claxton this is a guy who played for us in the NBA his first year there he's doing a really nice job um they're not bad, all right? I mean, this is a group, they went to uh, Houston on the road. We know how good Houston is, took them to overtime. They went on the road to Maryland, lost in the final seconds of the game. They went and played Iona, who, who's Rick Pitino coach team that beat Alabama earlier in the season, played them to a very tight ball game. So they're battle-tested coming into this one. I mean, this is uh, one of the top three-point shooting teams in the country, honestly, in, in terms of, as I look at it here, makes and percentage, they've got five guys who can really shoot it. 
from three and, and defending that's been a weakness of yours if you're Arkansas. So, um, you know, a little bit of a concern there. Zach Cooks and Jalen Ray, th- those are two guys in the backcourt that are very talented. And listen, this is Bebe's revenge, right? Abiyomi Iiola, for those of you who remember him, came over from Stetson with Corey Williams. Uh, he was with Arkansas. He came over. He transferred in with Vanover and J.D. Note. He set out that year, uh, tore his ACL over the summer, missed almost all of last season, got in, I think it was against South Carolina, I think, and played one minute, and that, that's like his career at Arkansas. But he was really productive when he was at Stetson. He's transferred. He's at Hofstra now. He starts at center. Uh, he's shooting 76% from the field. 7.7 boards per game. Good for him. So it's, it's, this Hofstra game is an interesting one. Not to mention that the game is in North Little Rock. At, I mean, it's at Simmons Bank Arena. The crowd is always rocking there. I'm, I'm really looking forward to going down and checking that out. But the games always get weird in that gym. They always do. So definitely going to be a challenge for the Hogs, who, who set it number 24 now in the AP poll. Um, so they did take a drop there, but they're still in. Uh, dropped down to number 65 in the net rankings. Again, we know that will balance out as the year continues, assuming Arkansas wins some games, right? Hoster's at number 113 in the net. I just took a look at Kimpom. They've got Arkansas picked to win this one, 83 to 71. So, 12 point margin. I think it was like an 85, 86% chance. I, I do think it's important to note that, you know, Arkansas, listen, this still has a chance to be a very, very good team. And we've, I've spent, you know, 25 minutes or whatever talking about all the things they need to work on. And that's for the big picture, right? That That's to compete you know, where we expected them to compete at the top of the league, uh, do the things that we kind of expected them to do in terms of, of making the NCAA tournament, maybe making another run. Um, so it, I think it's important to note that, right? All the goals uh, for this team, they're all still within reach. And there, there's no reason to sell any long-term stock on them. They're going to be fine. I really believe that. You know, hey, are, is Arkansas as far along as they should be or as we expected them to be at this point? Absolutely not. But there's no reason to believe they're not going to hit their stride at some point here. That Muslims teams do it every year. You know, we talk over and over about, remember the stretch last year, they took a couple beatdowns um, at LSU, at Alabama, and then they kind of figured it out. Now, in fairness, you know, Justin Smith, was he was injured that time. They had a key piece missing. So that factored into it. But the truth is, they were in a very bad spot, were a way worse spot than they are right now, and they dug out of it and figured it out. And it and it was a it was because of a new sense of urgency, um, a relentless attention to detail, and just kind of a renewed sense of uh, just, just team chemistry and coming together. It kind of brought those guys together. So hopefully, we start to see some of the signs of that going into this game this weekend. Maybe that flipped the switch for them because. We've seen spurts with this team where they look really, really good. I always go back to the first half um, at the Hall of Fame Classic against Kansas State. They looked really, really good. That was the one time this year I looked at Arkansas and said, man, these guys could get just as far as they did last year. But we haven't seen it consistently. So maybe this slips the switch a little bit. And listen, on the plus side, there is an opportunity to stack some wins 
and, and be playing your best basketball down the stretch, which is what you want to do. There are six ranked teams in the SEC right now, and Arkansas plays one of them in its first 10 conference games. So they're at LSU on January 15th. That's the only one. So those those first nine of the first 10 games are against teams projected or currently in the bottom half of the SEC. So they have a chance to get off to a really nice start if they handle their business. On the flip side, that's going to be important because Arkansas does play seven of their last eight against Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. So it's going to come back and get them later. But, hey, if Arkansas has done their job and won the games that they're supposed to up to that point, they can afford to maybe take a few losses there. But it's also an opportunity to pick up a lot of those really important quad one wins, improve seating, improve your standing, and things like that. So something to consider. All right, looks like we got a few questions. Let's get into those. Um... Hogtoon says, hello, Curtis. Hey, what's going on? Don Eldred says, no change in minutes, but have JD come off the bench? Question mark. I, I, I think he could stand to play a little bit less. Um, and, and it's tough because you don't know as frustrating as he can be when the ball starts sticking with him. I wonder how much offense you have with him off the floor. And there's been a lot of games where you look up at the end of the night and he's played 38 39 minutes. That's a lot for a guy who was a six man last year, you know, um, and listen, he's worked himself into unbelievable shape so he can handle that. But you wonder, has it affected him some? I know he was sick in Kansas city, but could that be a cause of some of the shooting woes? Maybe you back it off. Nothing crazy. 32, 33 minutes. And and if you, and bring him off the bench, if you want to, Hey, if, if Arkansas can get off to faster starts, and then inject what Note provides off the bench like they did last year, hey, I'm all for it. I, I, I think my thing is I just want to see whoever that replacement is, and we talked about some different guys, can they come in and get things going in the right direction before JD subs into the game? So I'm not 100% opposed to that. I would be more comfortable with it if other guys who would be stepping into that spot for him were more proven. But again, moving J.D. Note to the bench doesn't mean benching J.D. Note, kind of like you're saying here. Um, he's still going to play huge minutes, starter minutes for the team either way. Brian James Ham says, with the early signing period almost over, <clears throat> what needs are the Hogs targeting to complete the signing class? I'm not sure if you're talking about football or basketball. For basketball, uh, they've got, I mean, they've got their five guys signed. And, and at this point, I think for the most part, they're looking, you know, transfer portal at the end of the season and, and kind of identify the needs that they have. Um, you know, I think one target that didn't sign in the early period is Anthony Black. Talked about him. I talk about him, get a question about him pretty much every show. Um, you know, a guy who is a five-star talent and, and things have been trending towards Oklahoma State, but he hasn't signed yet, hasn't committed um, so I, I would continue to kick the tires on that. If you're talking about football, um, sounds like, you know, they're going to have with guys entering the portal an opportunity to fill some of those scholarships uh, and, and just listening to, to Danny West, who just did an unbelievable job with the early signing day content yesterday. Uh, I think a lot of that would be defensively. They would look to, you know, add interior linemen defensively, 
linebacker, especially if Bumper Pool, you know, kind of don't really know what his situation is going to be. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, and then you probably look at, at corner, um, you know, especially if Monteric Brown elects to go to the NFL. So maybe at all three levels of the defense, they can make some additions there. You see me getting involved in the football talk? Let's go. Yancey Long says, Note is not the problem. I think he def his defensive intensity is having an effect on his shooting. Uh, Stanley has been a letdown so far. He seems to be uh, only fully focused on scoring. Yeah, that, that's a decent point, actually, with Note. He does really get after it defensively, and, and he's still frustrating at times because he'll lose focus, and he get, he'll get beat off ball or, or get caught ball watching, and then there's a kick out, and his man's wide open for three. But in terms of on ball defense, he really gets after it, and he'll hound guys the full length of the floor and pick their pocket at half court. And it does. That does expel energy. It's a decent point. And then on Stan, gosh, I, I really thought he had turned the corner. He had a couple games that where he, I think he led Arkansas in scoring or, or had big scoring nights. Um, you need that from him. He, but you're right. He does need to be able to do the other things. He's one of those guys who looks uh, just a little unsure still and uncomfortable on both ends in, in terms of what exactly his role is offensively. And then, you know, where he needs to be, he's one of those guys that I think hesitates a little bit and second guesses himself on defense, and that gets him burned. So I think there are some things Arkansas could do to help him settle in. You know, maybe, you know, when you get him in there, and they've actually done this some, uh, but, you know, run a play for him, get him to a spot. They like him on that left block with that turnaround. Boom, get it and, and kind of settle him in right away. Um, defensively, he's just got to – there's something to be said for playing with freedom and, and confidence, and he's got to be comfortable enough with you know his assignments and what Arkansas is trying to do on that end of the floor uh, You know if he's going to really settle into his role. I still think that eventually he's going to be a starter for you. The question is when. But, yeah, I, he's done well. I mean, he's averaging nearly 10 points and five boards a game. But we can tell that he, he's not um, – you know, vintage Stanley Amude yet. I think he's going to get there. Brian James Hands said, sorry, I just saw this as a basketball podcast. I hope I answered your question. I tried. And then you followed with uh, Connor came in and played solid in the second half of the OU game. Uh, should must use him more. It's so matchup dependent with, with Connor. Uh, and, and when you start him, I understand it from the standpoint of, okay, we're going to give him this first this first run, this first segment, see how the matchups work with him. It, it's always a defensive thing. Can he handle the defensive assignment? And we'll take it from there. And and so that's why sometimes you see him play the first four or five minutes of the first half. You don't see him for the rest of the game. But in the matchups that he really can uh, handle defensively, he plays a bigger role and he and, – uh, Almost, I would say almost every time, I'm going to go back and look at this at some point, but almost every time he's able to play 15, 20 minutes per game, Arkansas wins because when he has a matchup that he can handle defensively, he can really be a weapon for you uh, as, a, as a rim protector and as a guy that can score, get to the free throw line. And he just has an understanding and a good feel for the game. He's a good passer. I think Arkansas is better offensively in terms of ball movement and just, just looking the part when he's in there. So in, in opportunities where you can use him more, 
I'd love to see it. And if you can't and it's a bad matchup, that's okay too. I mean, you've got guys, again, we talked about it. It'd be nice if we knew, you know, what Arkansas had a little bit more in a Trey Wade or a Kamani Johnson. Can those guys help you when Vanover can't and Jalen Williams needs a blow? What we've seen for the most part is, is they slide Stanley Mude down to the five. And actually, um, it's been kind of a mixed bag, but that, that helped Arkansas against Oklahoma. They were down. Uh, Jay Will is, is having some turnover trouble. He picked up two quick fouls in the second half. They slid Amude down and allows Arkansas to do some different things defensively uh, in terms of switching all screens and stuff like that. And then it spreads the floor more on the offensive end. That's kind of when they made their run. So it'll be a mix and match thing with that. Yancey Long says, Note is getting all the minutes because at this point in the season, he's our best option. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, he is the second leading scorer in the SEC. And if he was shooting a little bit better from three, I mean, if he was shooting 30, 31% from three as, as opposed to what he is, uh, do we have that much concern about him at this point? Probably not with, with everything he's done defensively. And again, I routed off some of the numbers. He's giving you five boards and three and a half assists per game too. So we understand some of the frustration that, that comes along with, with a guy that plays the way he does. But I really do think if he was just shooting slightly better, we wouldn't really be having this conversation. George Ulmer says, Curtis, do you ever feel Muss's emotions hurt him more than help him? Sometimes I fear he gets too irate and it hurts our team. Um, not really. I mean, he's an emotional guy, but the track record does speak for itself. And I, I know he got tossed from the game uh, against Oklahoma. It was pretty much decided at that point. I, I think it was a boiling over of things. You know, they battled back and then, you know, just hit a kind of a boneheaded stretch there where it went from being down three to being down 15 again. Uh, the fouls, I don't I don't think that he was probably necessarily as upset that he thought it was one-sided. It's just, just the nature of the way the game was called in general, really on both sides. And he just doesn't like to lose. But, you know, while maybe in the moment from time to time that could affect some of his decision-making, I think that he's just such a relentless competitor that it helps them in the long run. He was not a happy camper after that game on Saturday, and I guarantee you we see some changes and some things done differently for this next game because he's not just going to chalk it up as, you know, we talk about it some, like, ah, it's just one loss, oh, blip on the radar, ah, Oklahoma's never going to shoot that way again. Uh, he doesn't see it that way, and so he's going to do whatever it takes to get this team in a position to win games. That, that's what matters to him. He hates, he hates losing more than he loves winning. He's one of those guys. Jeremy Wilson says, they don't play defense. <laughs> Backdoor cuts kill us. And uh, is basketball 101. Rotation and switching is horrible. Offense-wise, too many, too many bus drivers and likes is selfish. Uh, yeah, defensively, I don't think I mentioned the backdoor cuts. That is that is a, an issue. And I, I do think it goes back to them being really aggressive and a high steals team. If you're going to do that and, and put a, le a lot of pressure on the ball and then into the passing lanes, you still got to see man and ball because that you're inviting the backdoor at that point. And if you get hit with it, you're right. The, the rotations have to be better. 
and if a team is going to be switching a lot of screens, what's the number one thing with that? It's communication. That's communication. So, again, I think things that will evolve over the course of the year, but, you know, offense-wise, too many bus drivers and likes is selfish. Yeah, you know, spoke to that a little bit too. Note and likes, they kind of are what they are in terms of guys who are creators of offense and playmakers, which can be a really good thing sometimes and, and not so good in others. And if they're going to be on the floor together, there really has to be a balance because otherwise it's just pass, dribble, 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 what can I do, force a shot. And, and that's what you don't want. And, and so that's why it's important, I think, for um, a particular person to step up into more of a facilitator role as a point guard and that that's going to mean sacrifice maybe if it's devo that's going to mean sacrifice from him to get everyone else involved it might cut into his points per game a little bit but there is some truth to that that's something they do have to work on and at the same time like i said earlier there is a balance you live with some of those shots from from a guy like note or a guy like likes who's who's done it his whole career but there does come a point where you have to reel it in a little bit. A bad shot every every once in a while is, is one thing, but what kills me, I think, um, is the possessions where there's no pass and it's all dribble and a force shot. If you move it around for a little bit and, and then you force a tough one, I can live with those. But when it gets really stagnant, that's when Arkansas really tends to struggle. Jeremy Wilson also says, football, uh, what happened to Miles Rouser? Why didn't he sign yesterday? I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. Probably a better better one for Danny. Um, but as far as I know, he remains committed, and, and the plan will be for him to sign in, in February or, or whenever the next period is, if he can. That's the latest I've heard. George Omer says, Curtis, do you think part of our problem guarding the three is because Note and specifically likes or just not tall enough, feel like Oklahoma's guards were taller and more physical than those two. Um, I, I think it's more of a problem with likes than it is Note. I mean, there's a difference in 6'1 and 5'7, and, and that's something that Muss has talked about. Like, guys are going to be able to elevate and shoot over the top of you, but how can you use your leverage as a smaller player to get into a shooter and make them uncomfortable? And it's something he's working on and adjusting to. How many times has Likes fouled a three-point shooter this year? Probably more than anyone else on the team. And I think that's why he's trying to figure out how to turn a weakness into more of a strength, if, if, he, if he can. Um, but there's some truth to that. And honestly, Oklahoma's guards weren't that much taller. I, I think they went 6'1", 6'1", 6'3". And Arkansas, went, you know, when they had that lineup out there, they're 5'7", 6'1", and, and whatever Devo is, 6'3", 6'4". But, yeah, it, it impacts things. It allows guys to get more comfortable looks off unless you figure out a way, like I said, to kind of enhance that. And then George asked, um, what surprised you most about the loss to Oklahoma? Um, I think the way they came out of the gates. You know, leading up to the game, that was a very pro-Arkansas atmosphere, very pro-Arkansas crowd. They were rowdy. You know, Oklahoma started to do the boomer sooner thing and run out on the floor. And the Razorback fans just interrupted it and called the Hogs, which was a ballsy, but I thought an awesome move. And I thought the team looked really hyped and energized leading up to the game. And then you get to tip off, and all of a sudden, 
um, it's 13 to nothing before you can blink. And so I was surprised at, at how they kind of came out and got punched in the mouth the way they did. I thought it might be the other way around. Um, and then, you know, coming back out after the break, uh, they had, they had worked so hard over the course of the first half to get back in it and build a little momentum. They're only down six. Then they get hit with an 11 to two run right out of the gate in the second half. So they got outscored. If you combine the first segments of each half, 24 to two, so that's a 22 point difference. They lost by 22. So I don't, I don't know if it was a, just a lack of focus or intensity right out of the gates, but that surprised me. Oklahoma hitting a bunch of threes and Arkansas missing them didn't necessarily surprise me. Uh, maybe the way Arkansas reverted back to uh, a little more one-on-one ball after sharing the ball as well as they did during the homestand was a little surprising. But, yeah, I think the starts to each half are, are, the, are the two things that stood out to me the most. And George says, I asked Santa for a subscription to Hog Sports. Do you think he'll give it to me? I don't know, man. I mean, it kind of depends on if, if you've been naughty or nice. I, I think that's that's for him to decide if Santa is actually Trey Biddy. Hmm. I could see it. He seems like the kind of guy that could guide a sleigh across the entire world uh, over the course of a night. Right? You think Trey is that kind of guy? I think he is. We might be on to something. Why do you think we've... Why do you think we've kind of seen Tony disappear over the last few games? I'm telling you, I, I really think, you know, something that, that must have said about Aldi's Tony so many times is it's amazing what he's doing with Arkansas not running any plays for him. He's been so effective as a cutter, getting on the offensive glass and, and creating his opportunities that way as opposed to doing it with the ball in his hands. So the Charlotte game was weird. He only got one shot in that game. He only got four against Oklahoma, and I think his impact on the game can be directly influenced by what the backcourt is doing. So if, if Devo and JT, uh, JD and Chris and those guys are all focused and locked in on scoring, they're not looking at him cutting as much. And teams are going to become more aware of that, and that's how Tony's making his money. So maybe he starts mixing in you know, with those cuts, floating back out and, and spotting up for those driving kick corner threes, which is a shot he can make. So a couple adjustments that he can make on his part, and and maybe you know Arkansas starts to run some action for him, uh, at least early in games to get him some good looks and, and kind of get him going a little bit. Because you're right, he's, he's too valuable to this team to kind of disappear like he has the last couple games. Bobby Brown Jr. says, just telling you I'm from the central Arkansas area, Simmons Bank Arena will... I'm going to finish that sentence and say, be rocking. I mean, it's usually a really good crowd. It just, it, I've been to a couple of those games as a fan. Um, I'm excited about it. They always turn out. So should be a, a pretty cool atmosphere, I would think. George says, you're killing it, Curtis. Football and basketball. Now, how do you feel about the women's soccer team season? You know, it was a great year. Um, was a little disappointed. They lost in the SEC championship again. I mean, this is, what was it, five times in a row they've made it and haven't been able to get over the hump. They're going to get there eventually. They did good in the NCAA tournament, made it all the way uh, to, what was it, the Elite Eight, the Final Four? I think it was the Final Eight and uh, and lost to Rutgers. They had to travel all the way to New Jersey for that game. It's crazy, but Colby Hell, heck of a program. Like the small ball lineup, 
but also think it was the reason we turned it over more. Yeah, it was just weird. You know, Arkansas made such a run and put forth a lot of energy at a time where it was really chaotic uh, to cut it from, was it 15, 17, got it down to three. And then there were just three really bad plays. It almost seemed like in a row. You know, Chris came down with a rebound. Looked like he kind of tried to, to to split some guys and then lost the handle there. Uh, Devo had an open floor turnover. JD lost the ball dribbling to the rim, and it tied up and went to Oklahoma. And then it was just boom, 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 and all of a sudden you're looking at a, at a 15-point game again. I mean, it happened quick. That was crazy. Daniel Wilkerson says, you are awesome. Daniel, my man, hope you're doing well. That last name is not a coincidence. It's family. All right. I think it's a pretty good stopping point for the day today. We, Like I said, we do have Muslimen a little bit later this afternoon, so want to get some questions ready for that. we got a lot of things to ask him, right? Just a reminder, Saturday's game against Hostra, that's going to be at 7 p.m., can only be listened to on the radio, no TV, as far as I know. I know it's something that irks a lot of people. Uh, maybe that'll change. I, I don't know. Um, and then Arkansas does wrap up the early non-conference portion of the schedule on Tuesday evening against Elon. They'll be back at Bud Walton Arena. And then it's off for, for Christmas break and then on to SEC play. So a lot going on. Um, exciting times. Hey, don't sell stock on these Razorbacks just yet. They're going to be just fine. Uh, looking forward to the game on Saturday. I will uh, probably do a little live reaction out there from Simmons Bank. We'll see. See what the situation looks like. At any rate, until next time, appreciate you guys as always. It's been Curtis Wilkerson with hogsports.com. Thanks for listening.